What's up and welcome back to Bar Down Talking Hockey episode number 115 presented by the Barroom Network. My name is Vinny Parisi and I am very sad that hockey is over. And this right here, this is Frankie Mueller and he's very happy with the outcome of hockey being over. Frank, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. I'm so happy. You have no idea. Yeah, I do have an idea actually because... How you feel about the Golden Knights winning the Stanley Cup is probably how I would feel if maybe the Bruins won the Cup or if, you know, the Wild with Parisi won the Cup. Like, th- that's how I imagine feeling, you know, mm-hmm. similar to how you're feeling right now. Just a team you love and watch all the time, but they're not your number one. Um, you know, I probably kind of would have felt – I probably would have felt less than what you're feeling if Edmonton won, but I would have been damn happy. Mm-hmm. I would have been Not damn happy. Game. I watched I watched seventy something Oilers games this season. I felt part of that team. I don't know if I don't know if that's going to be the team I watch the most besides the Devils next year. You know that fluctuates from year to year, depending on who's exciting, who's not. Shit, it might be the Hawks with Bedard. We'll see. But like, uh, I I know how you feel. I I you're having a good time right now. I am. I am. The gear's on its way. What so, you ordered? Uh, about that, I ordered a hat and a shirt. What'd you order? A hat and a shirt. You're you're lagging in and out. Am I good now? Yeah, but it's been choppy. There's been certain times I can't hear you. Okay, Frank, describe really quick to the people what you order. All right. I don't know if he's here, but anyway, I, I heard him say describe what I ordered. So I ordered the Stanley Cup playoff hat, the locker room hat that you see w- – when the players are awarded with them after they win the Stanley Cup, and also the locker room T-shirt as well. They were wearing both of those on the ice. There was a lot of cool stuff I saw. I liked the the phone case was pretty cool, the charger and all that. That was all pretty cool. But, yeah, I was telling them, VP, that I ordered the Stanley Cup locker room hat and the Stanley Cup locker room T-shirt. Very cool. Joey ordered the hat. He orders the hat every year no matter what. Um, I was thinking about getting the hat because it's. I think it's cool. It's a cool hat. Um, but I don't know. I, I'm really, really happy, and I'm happy for all the people who are happy. Um, there are some people that bandwagon the Golden Knights that have no ties to Vegas. <laughs> um, you obviously have ties to Vegas, so like I'm not going to poo-poo on you for bandwagoning them because you didn't bandwagon Seattle or anything. You know, it's not the new cool team for you. But there are some people that bandwagon them and annoys me. So I'm not happy for those people. But I am happy for the players on that team. Um, let's get right into it. You know, we're going to talk about the Stanley Cup champion Vegas Golden Knights in period number one. Welcome to period one. I would just like to reiterate sup to Skokes and hello to Travis. Thank you guys for joining us. If you guys, anybody watching, whether you're in the chat, actively or not you want to throw in some questions or comments about the stanley cup final what you saw what you're hoping for for next year um what you enjoyed this season what part of the show you enjoyed anything throw it in the chat this year travis says knights baby yes sir they are the stanley cup champions for the first time in franchise history frank it only took them six years what's going on oh man it's it's great you know i mean 
you you look at how the series went and three of the first five game or three of the five games in the series were night blowouts, but there were two games that were very, fairly close, but I still felt like Vegas was dominant in those games. Um, the Panthers were really on the verge of going down three to nothing and ended up tying the game late in game three and then winning it in overtime. Uh, so if you really think about it, there was a good chance that Vegas could have swept them. But like I said, that Western conference style of play is so different than that Eastern conference style of play. Um, and you got to wonder, and I don't know if you're, you believe in superstitions much, but Vegas touched the Clarence Campbell bowl in 2018 and lost. And this year they did not touch it and they won. So I don't know what your take is on that, but I I'm superstitious when it comes to stuff like that, but it just, everything came full circle. I'm, I used to be, I think it's all a bunch of hogwash now because Sidney Crosby didn't touch it in 2009 and they lost Mm -hmm. and he touched it or in 2008 and they lost and in the final to Detroit and then they touched it in 2009 they beat the Red Wings they touched it in 2016 they beat the Sharks and they touched it in 2017 and they beat the Predators so I've seen teams touch it and win I've seen teams not touch it and win last year both Tampa and Colorado touched it one of them is going to win. Like, it's just, yeah, I don't believe it. I used to. Maybe certain teams feel a certain way about it for their own franchise. Vegas has that on their side, I guess, right now. But I just, you know, some teams win, some teams don't. The Hawks didn't touch it any of the three times, and they won. Um, the Devils didn't touch it in 2012. They lost. So now the next time they make it to the Cup, I think they're going to touch it. But nobody's act. Nobody's from that team. Yeah, I know, but it's just it's like the Hawks didn't touch it all three times, and they won. Like, there's no chance they will ever touch it. I'd be kind of stunned. I, I think if a Bedard team lost the final after not touching it, they would touch the it next, next time. Yeah, around. then they would touch it the next time. Yeah, absolutely. All the Hawks from 2015 are gone now. Yeah. All the absolutely. Devils from 2012 are gone. Who's the last Devil from 2012 to last? But now, like, if Vegas makes it, they'll definitely touch it. Yes, I agree. Well, they they were an outstanding team, and one of the people who was the most unreal throughout the postseason and the regular season was Jack Eichel. Jack Eichel was the second overall pick in the 2015 NHL draft behind only one, Connor McDavid. Connor McDavid is the undisputed unquestioned best player in the National Hockey League. Um, Nobody is ever going to rip on Edmonton for choosing McDavid over Eichel. I mean, it's honestly just funny to even say that. But Eichel did get traded to Vegas, and he is a Stanley Cup champion before Connor McDavid. He was outstanding throughout the postseason. Um, I'm super happy for him. I remember me and my buddy, you knew him, Brian John, we watched Eichel play in the bean pot for Boston University at our – college elgin community college we sat in the lounge and watched eichel play in the bean pot from there because they played we had a night class and we watched the bean pot at (laughs) freaking ecc and eichel was playing yeah oh yeah we did we like made a night out of it and so eichel has always had a close place in my heart because he was the first he was the first super elite college player that I watched. Like, Zach Parisi was nominated for the Hobie Baker as a freshman. That's before I was watching college hockey. Paul Correa, obviously, is one of the greatest college hockey players of all time. I believe he was a freshman. I think the three freshmen that have won the 
Hobie Baker or Korea. I could be wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure it's Korea, Eichel, and Fantilli. Um, but obviously my love for college hockey has started growing right about the time Jack Eichel was at BU. So I've always been a huge fan of his. I was an Eichel apologist for a long time. And now that he's a Stanley Cup champion, I'm super happy. Yeah, and he won in his playoff debut. Yep. Pretty crazy, huh? I mean, you look at the – like, he had 20 assists, and a lot of people are like, he's not scoring. But, like, assists are goals. Like, if you have an assist on your stat sheet, that means a goal was scored. Because – directly because of you. Right. And, or in part because of you. And, and the plays he made to get those assists were phenomenal. He was great. He was a defensive beast. Um, did he lead – I don't know. You know probably. But did he lead the playoffs in scoring? He did lead the playoffs in scoring. Okay, so there you go. Six goals, 20 assists. He was great. Um, imagine winning in your playoff debut. That, I mean, that's just great. I, I know players have done it, but a player of his caliber, imagine winning in his playoff debut. That's just unbelievable. Yeah, he's the best player on the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, he wasn't their leading scorer this year. It took him a minute. And, like, next year, I think I already said this on the program a couple weeks ago. I believe Jack Eichel will have 100 points next year. He's a 100-point player. He already has. He, he had an elite 90-plus point season with Buffalo when they stunk. And this isn't the Buffalo you know today. This is, you know, the Buffalo that was bad enough to earn the right to draft Jack Eichel. And he had superstar seasons like that. He had the neck surgery this year. It, it took some time for him to get some chemistry with some of those Vegas Golden Knights players. And he described it after the game. I listened to his interview. I think it was with Jackie Redman. And he talked about how right around after the bye week that Vegas had, he started to really pick up some momentum with Marcia so in the regular season. And then they added Barbashev at the trade deadline. And the three of them just created this outstanding line. And Eichel would have been like on a hundred point pace from that point on. I think I read, you know, just it, sometimes it takes a minute. Remember when Taylor Hall was traded to the devils the first year with the devils, he had like 60 something points. Like, yeah, nice. It's a nice season, you know, $6 million player. And then the following year, when he knows his team a little bit better, he's comfortable. Boom, 93 points. Like I see that for Eichel next year and many years after, as long as he stays healthy, um, credit to the Vegas Golden Knights with Eichel because he had this. He wanted this surgery that no other NHL player had ever had. Only one UFC fighter had ever had it in pro sports, and Buffalo was like, "No, no, no. See, we don't want you to have to do that surgery. That's a crazy surgery." And then Eichel was like, "Okay, I would like to be traded, please." And Vegas was like, "Yeah, sure, Eichel, we'll trade for you. You get the surgery. You'll be back. You'll be fine." Sure as shit, he comes back. And he was just absolutely unbelievable. They do not win the Stanley Cup without trading for him. I believe that. And because, you know, Mark Stone, and we'll get to him, but Mark Stone is like a superstar too, but he plays a very different style of game than Jack Eichel. If you need superstar level offense, you know, Vegas really didn't have that before Eichel. Stone is close, but Stone concentrates on the two, and so does Eichel. Michael might be nominated for the Selkie Trophy one year. I was very impressed with his defensive game, especially in the playoffs. But Michael is a super-duper star. He's an S-tier player in the NHL, and that was unbelievable. So happy to see him hoist the Stanley Cup. It was very unbelievable. Do you think Buffalo kind of feels stupid for not letting him get the surgery? I do, but I also think they'll be okay. They'll be okay, absolutely. But the fact that... That you don't let him get the surgery and then he goes off and wins a cup kind of a bad look for the sabers yeah it is a bad look for the sabers now i do believe hockey's the ultimate team game i mean i, I wouldn't be a stanley cup champion if he was still with buffalo 
but I think he they would have a better chance of improving forward. It they have Owen Power and Rasmus Dahlin and Tage Thompson and Dylan Cousins and uh, Jack Quinn and you know they're building something very special there in Buffalo. I think I think Buffalo will at least reach a final with this young core that they're building. I know there are a lot of good teams, but really the only team in the Eastern Conference whose future stock I would buy over the Devils or not over the Devils, right there with the Devils is Buffalo. Like I think, and and Ottawa I think is coming up too, but you know, just purely future stock. You know, teams of under twenty five. You know, most of their stars are under twenty five. Good chance to continue developing. Buffalo's right there. I do think they feel dumb about the way they handled the Jack Eichel thing though, because he went on and pretty much won. Last year doesn't even really count. Like, yeah, he played for them a little bit, but they missed the playoffs by one point. We know why they missed the playoffs by one point. They were so hurt last year. And this year they get healthy. Eichel's there. Stanley Cup champions. And what was this surgery? Like, why Why did nobody want him to get it? Like, what no, was so about it? No NHL player had ever gotten that version of the neck surgery. Like, what, like what was so dangerous, like, about it? Like, what were they I, worried about? I'm just wondering if because it's such a new surgery and there are only – I think there's only, like, one or two doctors in the world that can perform this specific surgery. Mm-hmm. It turned Buffalo away like, hey, we don't know about this. This isn't something that is protocol in terms yeah. of fixing this neck injury or this back injury or, you know, a combination of the two. Like, you know, your neck kind of ties a bunch of things together. And if you're having issues back there, like, yeah, it could affect your arms. It could affect your legs. So Jack Eichel was able to get it done. It worked. And I believe was it there was a Hawk player that got it right after. And now there's two NHL players who was it Tyler Johnson, I think, had the same surgery. I don't remember for sure, but I swear there was a second player that came along and had the surgery right after Eichel got it. Um, but Frank Jack Eichel was not the most valuable player of the playoffs, according to the writers that voted for the Con Smythe Trophy. Um, of course, that award went to Jonathan Marcheseau. He is one of the original Vegas Golden Knights from their inaugural season. I thought it was a coin flip between Marcheseau and Eichel going into the game. I thought Eichel passed Marcheseau in the game five. He had a better game five. I would have voted for Eichel. But damn, am I happy to see Marcheseau win it. Good for him. He's the first player since Wayne Gretzky to win the Conn Smythe Trophy as an undrafted player. Mm-hmm. Now, Wayne Gretzky would have went first overall if they had the traditional draft where he was included. He was part of the expansion that brought the Oilers into the NHL, and that's why Gretzky's an undrafted player because um, he signed with the Oilers as a free agent before the merge. And... You know, so Marcheseau is really the true first undrafted player to ever win the Conn Smythe Trophy. Happy for him. Um, Florida said, hey, Vegas, you know, you're probably going to suck for a while. And we're in the expansion draft right now. Why don't you, if you, we'll leave Riley Smith unprotected for you to take if you will also take Jonathan Marcheseau's bad contract off of our <laughs> roster right now because we don't want to pay him $6 million anymore. That's a bad contract. We would like to make this trade with you. The trade is Riley Smith unprotected. You also get Marcheseau. Boom, done. Now Marcheseau is a Conn Smythe Trophy winner and a Stanley Cup champion against the team that did that to him. Thoughts on Marcheseau? 
Yeah, you know, I thought it was either going to Eichel, Marcia, so, and I thought Stone, you know, kind of made a last-ditch effort. I think if he would have had a greater playoffs overall, he would have definitely made a case in Game 5. But Marcia, so, he was statistically the more balanced offensive player, 13 goals, 12 assists. He was an original Golden Knight, like you said, which I don't know if that unbiasedly or biasedly in the back of their heads kind of played into it a little bit, even though it shouldn't. But, um, I mean, the story here, like everything you explained, the story was great. Um, he was an overlooked player, and now he's a Stanley Cup champ, a Conn Smythe winner. He also became the first Golden Knight player to record 10 or more game point streak in the regular season and the playoffs, or, or the playoffs, like either one. So, I mean, he's got a lot of history to this uh, team. He's probably going to eventually have his number retired with them just because of the history he has with the Golden Knights. Um yeah, great player. I'm happy for him. He's my favorite Golden Knight, so hats off to him. Did you know that the Conn Smythe Trophy, there's a deadline to vote for it, but you can write contingencies for it? I didn't know that. So, like, the Conn Smythe Trophy voting is due by a certain point in the third period. And let's say the game is tied 0-0. You write in your vote, but you can say with your vote. So, like, let's say you vote for Marcia so. But you can write alongside your vote if Jack Eichel scores in overtime to win it. <laughs> I change my vote to him, and then you, Are you submit. Serious? You can write there. You you vote for the Smythe Trophy, cool. but you can submit contingencies along with your vote. I did not know that until yesterday. The Athletic Vegas guy actually tweeted about that yesterday and his DMs are open on Twitter. So my goal is to get him to be our guest for next week. Um, or a week after I, we're going to get some Vegas golden Knights guests throughout the summer. I want to talk golden Knights all summer long because I am kind of thrilled about how they've, you know, done and become a team. So, um, and then you got people like Travis in the chat. He says he's not a bandwagoner. They've been his second favorite team since they joined the league. I believe that I'm not, I'm not ripping on people who have been with the golden Knights since, you know, year one, you know, and a lot of people do have ties to Vegas. And Travis, I know you're even a little closer to Vegas than most of us being in Texas. So, like, good for you. I'm happy for people who enjoy Vegas and whatnot. But there, there are just some people that I think, like, within the last year or two that are kind of like, yeah, go Golden Knights. You know, they're cool. <laughs> they play in Vegas. Um, Marcia so he's the Conn Smythe Trophy winner. There were also five other Golden Misfits that were on the team. Um, obviously, William Carlson, Riley Smith, Jake McCabe, no, not Jake McCabe, Braden McNabb. Yeah. I got my mix confused. Yeah. Um, Braden McNabb and Shea Theodore all make up the six Golden Knights that are remaining from, oh, and William Carrier. Forgot about Carrier. William Carrier. The six Golden Knights that were there in the inaugural season and they made it all the way through six years to be Stanley Cup champions. I would say those six golden misfits played a big role in that team winning the cup too. Absolutely. I mean, these players were selected in the 2017 expansion draft and against all odds, not only did they earn a, a spot on the Knights roster, but they also became cornerstones in the development of this championship winning team. I mean, Carlson, you look at him, he was overlooked in Columbus. Eventually he earned his ranks on the team as the top line center, but without him on this team, th this team wouldn't be the same without wild bill. Riley Smith, like you said, acquired for the uh, for a fourth-round pick in 2017 from the Panthers. They just wanted to get him off their hands, take the contract. But, you know, what he's been able to contribute um, on and off, like just 
he's a great offensively, great defensively. To me, that makes you invaluable to the team. Braden McNabb, great blue liner, great shot block capabilities, and he's also a great leader. This is something that the Knights needed going into their inaugural season um, when they were building a team. And then Shea Theodore, great two-way defenseman that they got from the Ducks. He could provide an offensive boost, but he also has the capability to, you know, take a step back and play defense. He's a great two-way player. And then William Carrier, I, I mean, the, those are the types of players that make a team. I mean, it, it's the history behind them. And I thought it was great that they started all five misfits for the game. And then Carrier was on the second line, and then Aiden Hill in that. But, you know, I, I thought that was great. Mark Stone handed the cup to an original misfit, Riley Smith. I mean, the whole story surrounding them is great, and I think that's what so many people love about it. It went Stone, then the six misfits. Yeah, I think that's great. Yeah, that was outstanding. I'm sure that was planned, but, you know, it's a well-deserved thing. I'm happy for all of them. I'm especially happy for William Carlson. I'm a huge fan of the style of play that Wild Bill plays. Um, You know me. I love those two-way forwards. You can't win cups without them. Jack Eichel developed into one of them. Jack Eichel is William Carlson on crack. Um, But, you know, I used to say that Wild Wild Bill was like, you know, he's a Selkie guy. He's one of those guys who will finish top 10 in Selkie voting every single year, and he's just truly unbelievable. I don't think they win the cup without him. He scored lots of goals. Um, He plays great defense. He goes out there. He plays against Connor McDavid. Okay, he plays against Rupe Hintz. You know, some of these elite teams that Vegas had to get through – that's just the way it is. So good on him. Good for Riley Smith, Shea Theodore. Um, Vegas has had some interesting philosophies on goaltending over the years. They took Marc-Andre Fleury from the Pittsburgh Penguins in the expansion draft because Pittsburgh felt the need to keep Matt Murray. And at the time, that was absolutely the right move. Hindsight says they probably should have let uh, Marc-Andre Fleury stick around. But, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. They kept Murray. Flurry goes there. Well, Flurry ends up getting traded to the Chicago Blackhawks. They use Robin Leonard. Um, they had, you know, in the first season, there were guys like Maxime Legacy and Oscar Dansk and guys like that in year number one. Well, by the time they get to year six, the year they win their first ever Stanley Cup, not much has really changed for Vegas. They came into this year with Logan Thompson. And Logan Thompson was on my fantasy team for almost the whole year. I had one of the best fantasy teams in our league this year. I came in fourth place, third place. You know, I was a goal or two away from being in the final this year. And, you know, it was a good year for me. Um, Logan Thompson was one of my two goalies, and I was super happy to have him all year long. But then he gets hurt right before the playoffs. And they use Laurent Brossois in the first round against the Ginnipeg Wets. Well, gets injured in that series and they end up using Aiden Hill and Aiden Hill played so well all the way through to the Stanley Cup final where he was just as good as the rest of the playoffs. That's two years in a row where an average goalie played on an elite team and won the Stanley Cup and that's why I like yeah, I think the Devils can win the Stanley Cup with Vanacek or frickin' Schmid as long as the team plays better in front of them. That's two years in a row now where the teams, as long as they play really good and you get timely saves, Aiden Hill gave them timely saves, 
He looked like a human highlight reel at times. He had a great save yesterday. He had a save that mimicked the Braden Holpe save a couple years ago earlier in the Stanley Cup final. Game one, I believe it was. We watched it on the bachelor party. Um, you know, just the dude has been unreal in Vegas's philosophy on goaltending is something I think I can get behind. Yeah, you know, and I totally agree with you. I think that any any team could win a, a championship with any goalie. But for the devil's sake, it's like they could definitely like they could win the cup if they just get that veteran goal. Like it would just increase their tra- chances tremendously. I agree. Yeah. Like like if they get like they could be favorites to win the cup if they go out and get a veteran next year. Yeah. But they the could win. They're the sixth favorite right now. They could win with Vanacek or, yeah. or Blackwood, but like go out and get the goalie, and then it like it yeah it, increase yeah. your odds even more. Yeah. I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, you but, like the the teams with Vasilevsky and Chesterkin feel better about it than like if you know, the, the teams with Aiden Vasilevsky, Hill. we'd be doing backflips right now. Like yeah, obviously, like because you know that like, there's a cup's coming in the next year or two. Yeah, I right. agree with you. So like, but like. Aiden Hill, he has a subpar career. You also got to look at the teams he played for. Like, every team he played for was kind of stinky. He never had that team in front of him. Yeah, like the Coyotes. Like, he he really never had an above-average year. He was always, like, 11 and 10 or 5 and 6. And, you know, he goes to the Golden Knights, and it's like, because he had such an elite team in front of him, it, it kind of like rejuvenated him a little bit. I mean, he was spectacular. And I'm not going to lie here. I often doubted him myself. Um, I didn't know, I, you know, I was worried about the high pressure situation getting to him. Like, oh, we're in the Stanley Cup final. I have a chance to win a Stanley Cup. And there are so many great players who have never won a Stanley Cup. And now I'm Aiden Hill. I, I have a chance to win a cup. I, you know, I thought the pressure pressure may have gotten to him. And, you know, props to Vegas because I think a lot of, you know, fans and just NHL fans in general kind of doubted them doubted their goaltending i mean i think like you, you nailed it on the head like their goaltending from day one has just been you know kind of just out there and you know i think a lot of people have do- you doubted them over the years in terms of goaltending i mean you know we even said their goaltending was shaky this year and that was one of their biggest flaws but you know they they proved us wrong and he stayed cool calm collected and helped the golden knights win their first ever stanley cup championship yeah for sure and you know, we'll see where they go from goaltending from here. But another player I wanted to talk about was Alex Petrangelo. Alex Petrangelo. Okay, first of all, I think Kale McCarr is the best defenseman in the NHL. If I could pluck one defenseman off their team right now, put him on my favorite team, I would choose Kale McCarr. Obviously, Kale McCarr would be the number one defenseman for Team Canada. If the Olympics were to start tomorrow, I think Petrangelo would be his partner. That's how highly I think of Petrangelo. Um, just an absolute dog for the Vegas Golden Knights, basically since he got there. And the Vegas Golden Knights, when he became available, they brought him in. They went after him. He, he, you know, that's what Vegas does. And he was nothing short of sensational for them. Um, I'd like to get your thoughts on what Petrangelo meant to the Golden Knights this season. Man, he was, you know, you need that good defenseman to win a Stanley Cup. And now he's a two-time Stanley Cup champion. So you go out and get a Stanley Cup winning defenseman from the Blues. And, you know, you solidify him here in your core defense. And he goes out and helps you win a cup. And, you know, 
I, I had a feeling you touch on, you know, stuff he did this year, but like he also had to overcome more than just hockey this season. I don't know if you remember, but last November, his daughter was diagnosed with encephalitis. I think it's something called like that encephalitis, which like she was stripped of all her motor skills. She wasn't able to open her eyes for five days, which has to be the scariest thing for a father. He thought about hanging up his skates and not coming back to hockey because his daughter was more important to him than the game of hockey. And I'm sure everybody feels that way as a father. But nonetheless, things got better. He came back, and, you know, that maybe that fueled his fire, but he is a huge, huge asset to the Golden Knights. And I don't know. I Alex Petrangelo is probably not a Hall of Famer, but he is one of the – I mean, he might be, but I don't know. I wouldn't put him in the Hall of Fame yet, but, you know, he, he definitely shows Hall of Fame qualities for a defenseman. Yeah, I – I don't know. That's that's actually a really good question. I never even thought about it. That didn't even cross my mind. He is a two-time Stanley Cup champion. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a three-time All-Star. He has 140 goals and 431 assists for 571 points in 952 games. Um, all of his advanced metrics look like they support him being an outstanding defensive defenseman as well. His highest Norris Trophy finish looks like it is fourth. So he doesn't have the major trophy other than the Stanley Cup. He needs a uh, Norris, I think. Which he's probably not going to get. But I don't know. He's been an all-star. He's gotten very high Lady Bing consideration in his career. Um, he's pretty much nominated for or He pretty much gets a Norris Trophy vote every single season. It's interesting, isn't it, to like think about? Yeah. You know, I think there's a chance, there's uh, a, an outside chance. What would you do right now? I wouldn't, me personally. I would say no. I would say Bobrovsky has a better chance right yeah. now. Two Vezina trophies and a cup final appearance. Like, you know, that's a story for another day. But Petrangelo, he's just always been very solid. Um, I do think being a captain for one of those two cups is obviously, you know, something to be notable. But yep, he's just a very, very good player. Um the Vegas Golden Knights, they always, no matter what, have done what they can to try and win. And it goes back to the expansion draft. The expansion draft was moderately successful for them. They got Marsha Soul to take Smith. Or they got Smith to take Marsha Soul, I should say. Um, they got the trade. I forget what player went back to Vegas. For, oh, I think it was David Clarkson's contract for them to take Wild Bill. And they got Wild Bill, put freaking David Clarkson on LTIR. Um, and then there was another big one. I think there was something with Hala where they got Hala and something else. I Maybe it was the Wild. They, they didn't want Dumba to be taken. So they were like, okay, let's... Let's take Eric Halla because Dumba, the Wild don't want us to have Dumba. And I think they gave him Tuck. That's what it was. The Wild gave Tuck to Vegas so they take Halla instead of Dumba. And, you know, or Spurgeon or Brodeen, one of the other defensemen, but it was Dumba that was left unprotected. And, you know, they took advantage of that stuff. And, you know, when guys become available, they made. They had good enough draft picks, too, to make these trades possible. How did they trade for Mark Stone? Well, they gave up Brandstrom, who's awesome. You know, to get Pacioretty, they gave up Suzuki, who's awesome. He's freaking Montreal's captain now. Like, 
you know, they, they, they've been good with drafting. They've been good with developing. They make smart trades. When Petrangelo becomes available, they're in the mix. They get him. When, you know, Timo Meyer, he was available. It was between the Devils and Golden Knights in the end. And I think the Hurricanes had a chance to. But it was those three teams. And, you know, they didn't get them, but they were in the mix. They got Barbashev instead, who was freaking unreal for them. You know, like, they always put their best foot forward. I, there are original six teams that don't care about winning as much as Vegas does. Do they have a $94 million salary roster right now? Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Stone was on injured reserve. He's not hitting the salary cap anymore. Hey, he's not going to play till playoffs, maybe. We thought Stone might be done for the year when he first got hurt. And he ended up coming back in time for playoffs, but that allowed them to trade for Barbashev. Okay, it allowed them to bring in a couple of these extra pieces. Um, you know, they never shy away. They're going to have issues this offseason. There's no doubt that the Vegas Golden Knights are going to take a step back in terms of their roster because of the fact that they have to shed basically $12 million right now. Well, how do you shed $12 million? At least one or two good players are gone. But, like, you know, they even bring in Phil Kessel, and Phil Kessel played in all 82 games for the Vegas Golden Knights this season, but he hasn't played since the Winnipeg series. But all the reports say that Phil Kessel has been nothing but helpful in terms of the locker room and the practices and, you know, the stuff that he sponged from Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin in the Penguins years helped him bring that to the Golden Knights. And there are all sorts of ways that this Golden Knights team puts their best foot forward, and people crap on them. Look, look at their roster when they first did the expansion draft. It was poopy. You know, Wild Bill had six goals with Columbus before. He gets a chance with Vegas, and all of a sudden he scores 40 in the following year. And then he hasn't scored 40 since, but he's a constant 25-goal-scoring Selkie Trophy nominee every or candidate every year. Like, you'd almost rather that. And, you know, I, I just think what Vegas has done has proved how smart they are compared to everybody else. George McPhee eventually passing it down to what's his name. I'm drawing a blank on Vegas's GM's name now that George McPhee's the president of hockey operations, um, but is it McCrimmon? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I know Foley's I, the owner. Bill Foley's the owner, and he's done nothing but good things since bringing them over. Um, dude went to West Point, you know, and he names the team after or similar, similar logo, similar name to I think they're the Silver Knights over there in the Army. So, I mean – I just admire what Vegas does. I hope other teams learn from them and say, hey, we could put our best foot forward to winning too. Oh, our captain's hurt going into the trade deadline. Let's put him on LTIR, and if he's not going to be back to the playoffs, why not trade for Barbashev? What's the hurt? You know, let's win. Petrangelo's available. Let's go for him. Oh, Jack Eichel requested a trade from Buffalo? No way. That's a top <laughs> 10 forward. Let's go. Let's try. You know, maybe the Leafs will beat us out. Maybe the Bruins will beat us out. But we're going to damn try. And a lot of the times when you try, you succeed. Vegas tries, they succeed. They're Stanley Cup champions. Yeah, and, you know, we've said it last week, the week before, made the playoffs five of the first six years, made the conference finals four of the first six years, made it to the Stanley Cup finals now twice in their first six years, won the Stanley Cup, and Bill Foley said it would take them six years to win a Stanley Cup. He fulfilled on that promise. The rest is history. They almost fulfilled it in year one. But then you think back to that year one and like when you compare the year one Golden Knights to what they are now, that team sucked compared to this one. They were on this crazy high and they were, you know, they were pretty heavily reliant on the one line. 
right? Like they traded for Pacioretty later in the year, but like they relied on the Marshall Smith um, Wild Bill line a lot that year, like a lot, a lot. And Mark Andre Fleury's defense and having Shea Theodore as their number one. Um, there was a lot of what was the other defenseman? The guy who was from Vegas that everybody loved. I'm drawing a blank on his name. He was a big key to Vegas succeeding in that first year. Um, I just, was it Dumoulin? No, it wasn't Dumoulin. Dumoulin was on the Penguins. Anyway, like it wasn't that surprising that that Washington team that was so deep kind of mopped the floor with them in the play in the Stanley cup final that year. You know, now they have stone and, Frickin' Eichel and Petrangelo. Like, those guys are unreal. I do think that first year, yeah, they came close. It was a nice run. But the 2023 Golden Knights would sweep the 2018 Golden Knights. Yeah, I mean, you're, they are better now. They are. Um, Carol says, live in Vegas. City is on fire. Yeah, that city's on fire all the time anyway. Now they have a champion. They have a champion hey, the, in town. The Aces won last year. Yeah. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. I mean, they're not a major league team, but close enough. Um, I think Vegas is a sports town. I want them to get an expansion MLB team. I want the A's to stay in Oakland. I want them to get an expansion MLB team. You know, start from scratch, be Vegas. I don't want the A's to be in Vegas. I want a new team in Vegas. But... um. You know, the Raiders, same thing. I wish they were still in Oakland. I don't like when teams move. I like expansion. I don't like relocation because mm-hmm. I think of if my favorite team relocated. And it's easy to not care about other people. For some people, I'm not one of them. I care about other people. I want other people to like sports. I want people in Oakland to like sports. I want people in Vegas to like sports. Um, now that they're, you know, if they move, there are going to be people who always disdain that sport. Like people in St. Louis ape the NFL, right? Like, you know, they moved to the Los Angeles. Now people, a great sports city like St. Louis, they hate freaking football now. I hate that. That bugs the crap out of me. We could have expanded to L.A. Um, but still, congrats to Vegas. Frank, I want to know, where do you think Vegas goes from here in terms of hockey operations? Like going into next season? Yeah. Where do you expect them? You know, is there a certain move you think they make? Well, Obviously, the team is going to look a lot different because the salary cap is – Barely going up, they're going to have to shed a fair amount of salary. Well, it's interesting, right? Because you mentioned shedding $12 million in salary, which means you'd assume at least one big player is gone. Which Who that is, I have no idea. But you also got Barbashev, Bluger, and Kessel, who are unrestricted free agents. Brett Howden's a restricted free agent. And they only have Logan Thompson signed through next season as their only goalie. Everybody else is not signed through next year. So they only have one goalie signed through next season as well. So you're going to have to pay a, a backup, um, which probably is going to be Aiden Hill now, right? I mean, I don't know. I mean, how do you – you win the Stanley Cup and then you're not even going to be on the team? I mean, I don't know. So I, I think – but I, I do think they're going to be a decent team next year. I, I would probably say they're going to make the playoffs again. But it's, it's really when you get into the 2024, 2025 years, things may take a turn. But next year, I do think they're going to be – I do think they're going to be fine. I have no reason to doubt them because, you know, everybody's doubted, doubted them after their first year or going into their first year. Everybody thinks, oh, expansion team, they're going to stink, they're going to stink. 
I really have no reason to doubt them anymore because anytime you think they're going to be bad or their goaltending is going to be bad, they, they just shove it in our face. So I, I think they'll be fine going into next year. Yeah, I think they'll be fine. The Pacific Division, it'll probably be them, Edmonton, and maybe Anaheim will surprise. I, I like Anaheim. Who, who am I missing? Oh, Seattle. Kings. The Kings. So, you know, it's a tough division. It's only getting better. It's not the worst division in the NHL anymore. I think the Central Division is the worst in the NHL right now. But uh, And they, they were the best like a year ago, two years okay. ago. You know, if it flips, it rotates. But, you know, Bedard and the Coyotes being on the rise, they, maybe the Central get back to being the better of the two Western Conference divisions relatively quickly. But um, Vegas, they probably do take a step back in terms of they might not win 50 games. But, like, they probably make the playoffs. They're probably scary to play against once the playoffs come around because of the experience that they now have. Um, I'm not sure. Barbashev is gone. He, I, there are like five East Coast teams I could see him playing for. Um, I could see him being like, hey, I'll go play with Bedard. Absolutely <laughs> could see him playing with the Hawks next year. Possible. He played for the, in the Midwest for most of his career. You know, I think the Devils will take a run after him. I think the Rangers will take a run after him. Um, wouldn't shock me if the Bruins with some of their newfound cap space that they have go for him. Um, he made himself an extra million bucks with the way he played in the last couple months too, I believe, mm -hmm. you know, instead of being a two and a half million dollar player, he could be a four and a half, five million dollar player now. And he's walking into his new team with a nice shiny ring on his finger. So I can <laughs> promise you that, um, it wouldn't shock me if they traded wild bill because wild that's bills. I, listen, I'm not saying that's not my prediction. He's just out of the six misfits that are like the most impactful. He's probably the most likely to be traded because of the fact that they have Eichel and Eichel's newfound two-way prowess kind of might make uh, Wild Bill expendable, even though that might decrease their chance to win not having him. Um, he makes five mil. And so, you know, that'd be a way to shed some cap. And, you know, maybe you can find somebody who plays center well for a little bit cheaper than that. Um, there are lots of ways that they could go about it. Maybe this is March or so's time. The Conn Smythe Trophy winner doesn't change teams very often, but you know you talked about a goalie changing teams. Darcy Kemper won the Cup with Colorado, and then was a Washington Capital like three days later. So, you know, all sorts of crazy things could happen. I do think Vegas is going to have a prominent summer in terms of moves that they're about to make. Um, what did you think of Bruce Cassidy's coaching this year? Um. I guess I never really thought about it. I I don't really have an answer. Well, um, I mean, yeah, he did great. He won the cup. I. He's the first coach in NHL history to have 50 wins in back-to-back -back years with two different teams. And that's a nice accomplishment. It's kind of a flawed accomplishment because most of the times when you win 50 games, you don't switch teams. So that's why I think that he's the first to ever do that. My assumption is the other yeah. the other 50 win coaches in NHL history all returned the following year. So nobody even had a chance to be that guy. But, um, you know, he's a hard coach to play for. Uh, that I know for a fact. That I've heard from people I trust, that Bruce Cassidy is not an easy coach to play for. Um, and you heard, I can't remember, was it Jack Eichel or Wild Bill? One of them after the game said that Brucey brought an intensity that they needed. And, like, I, I think he's a mother effort to play for. 
And like that didn't fit a lot of the Bruins players, which might lead to a bigger issue for the Bruins. You know, I even talked about it with Joey, the Bruins guy, and he's like, yeah, Brucey wasn't easy to play for. They bring in Jim Montgomery. The talent is there for them to have the most wins in NHL history. But then in his first year fired by the Bruins, he shit pumps the team that beat the Bruins in the Stanley Cup final to win the Stanley Cup. I mean, there, there can't be a happier person with the way the last year has gone down than Bruce Cassidy. He gets my props. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't know he was the first ever 50-win coach back-to-back years for two different teams. I didn't know that. Um, I mean, yeah, I heard he's kind of a a dick to play for, too. Like, he's just kind of mean. Like, the players don't always support him. At least that's how it was on Boston, from what I've heard. Um, But props to him. I mean, he's doing something right, right? Like, I mean, yeah. Well, I'll tell you this right now. I think Bruce is going to have the same fate in Vegas that he had in Boston. Being the dickhead, mean, hard coach to play for works for a little while. Let's not forget how Brucey's first year with the Bruins went. They went to the Stanley Cup final in 2019. Yep. 2020 happens, 2021, 2022. Things start to get a little old when you're getting screamed at every single day. It's fun at first. Like, oh, this guy's intense. And you want to run through a brick wall for him. <laughs> Part of, and the Bruins came up just short against the Blues. Don't be too surprised if you start hearing Vegas players complain about Bruce in the next two to three years. It will get old. The only difference is they finished the job early on in his tenure there. And Bruce will go to another team, scream in all their faces, get to a cup. And I honestly think that's just going to be the Bruce Cassidy experience for the next couple years. Um, Shout out to the Vegas Golden Knights, man. The 2023 Stanley Cup champions. I'm pumped about it. I know you're pumped about it. Um, we're going to be talking Golden Knights all summer long. I'm. You mark Good. my words. Good. We'll be talking Golden Knights all summer long. The team they played against in the Stanley Cup final, the Florida Panthers, they deserve a 45-minute conversation as well. Maybe not quite 45, but they deserve a nice conversation as well. And we are going to get to that. In period number two. Welcome to period two, where we are going to discuss the Stanley Cup runner-up, the Eastern Conference champion, the surprise to many, the Florida Panthers. Frank, what an admirable admirable run by Florida. It was, you know. It could be one of the greatest Cinderella runs in NHL history. The only thing is they didn't finish the job. And, you know, being the loser of the Stanley Cup final is not something you want to be remembered for. Um, but they beat the best regular season NHL team of all time, the Bruins. Then they go on to defeat the Toronto Maple Leafs. Then they stun the Carolina Hurricanes. It's actually crazy to think the run they went on, and it proves just like anything is possible in hockey. I mean, they they were a team that weren't supposed to be there. Um, they were playing with no pressure each night because, I mean, hey, we're the 16th seed of all 16 teams that made the playoff. We really got, like, there's no pressure on us. Pressure's on the other teams to defeat us. And maybe that helped them out along the way. But at the end of the day, there's nothing to fret about. They had a fantastic season. And you know what Jamie t- told me? And I don't know if you knew this, but I had, to, I had to tell you guys on the podcast. The Florida Panthers home jersey say Panthers and the road say Florida. Yeah. I, I didn't know that. That meme went viral while we were on our vacation. There was really? like a meme about it that went viral. And yeah, I, I meant to bring it up. I never did. But yeah. 
and the Bruins have the patch on their shoulder, you know, with the walking yeah. bear. Uh-huh. The road one says Boston and the home one says Bruins. Really? It's like a thing. Yeah. Like the road says the city or the town or the state. Oh, that's cool. And then the home. But I, there, there are probably some other teams like that. But the Florida one is the most noticeable because it's like big across the crest. Yeah, right. Yeah. I, really I didn't cool. know that. Yep. So shout out to the Florida Panthers. What an admirable run. Frank, Matthew Kachuk played in game four with a broken sternum and it caused him to miss game five. What a yeah. dog. I mean, he's, you know, hockey players are some of the toughest in all sports, if not the toughest. I mean, imagine, like, I don't even know how you break your sternum, but he has a broken sternum in game three. He actually needed help getting dressed for game four. And Brady Kachuk had to help him get out of bed after his pregame nap for game four. So, I mean, there's really no surprise that he didn't play in game five. But, you know, as soon as he was ruled out for game five, five, it felt like the end of the line for Florida. It really did. But I'm just... It just boggles me. Like, how do you break your sternum? The sternum's in between your, like, in your chest area. I just don't know how, like, you, you think you break maybe, like, a rib or something or a punctured lung. I don't know. How do you get you to your sternum? Yeah, I have no idea. I don't know if he's going to need surgery. I imagine if he needs surgery, he'd miss training camp. Or, like, at least it would be, like, a question, like, how's Matthew Kachuk going to be early yeah, in the right. season? That'll probably actually be a question anyway. But... You know, I there was the hit he got destroyed. I can't remember who hit him. It might have been. I don't remember who it was. It wasn't when he decked Eichel. It was after that. But he got hit really hard. And I remember he like looked up at the guy who hit him with like a dirty look. I, I, that might be the play where it happened. But, you know, he also tied game four or game three late with a broken sternum Mm -hmm. because it happened earlier in the series. It just, I think it happened in game three Mm -hmm. and he tied the game with a minute and a half left with the goalie pulled with a broken sternum. And then, you know, he had some of their best scoring chances in game four. Yeah. But you know, he wasn't as effective of a player in other areas besides scoring chances, which is why they ultimately set him out in game five. But I'll tell you what, he's going to come in second place for the heart trophy. He had this miraculous run. In the playoffs, I think the world of Matthew Kachuk. I think he's one of the 10 best forwards in the NHL right now. Best top 10, top 15. He's really freaking good. Yeah, there's. I, he's great. I just – I don't like him. Just – he's kind of a – yeah. He's kind of an ass. I mean, that makes him a great player. Yeah. I just don't like him personally. But Yeah, I get that. I like him as a player. Like, he's a great player. Yeah, he, he wouldn't be a great player if he wasn't an ass, though. It's fine. I do believe that. I still don't I like do that. believe that. That's fine. Um, he is going to come into next year probably salty, probably hungry, trying to win. Florida's going to be dangerous again next year. One thing that shocked me, though, Aaron Ekblad broke his ankle against the Bruins, mm-hmm. and he played against the Maple Leafs, Hurricanes, and Golden Knights with a broken ankle. What a warrior broken foot, two shoulder dislocations, and an oblique uh, tear he had. Insane. Insane. You know, and that's what you want from a player like Ekblad, right? You want a player like that who just is gritty, grimy. Like, when he was drafted in 2014, he was brought into Florida in an effort to turn this franchise around. And I think he's truly helped them do that. I mean, we don't have the Stanley Cup 
to show for it, but we've seen how he's helped this Florida franchise turn around. And that, you know, hungriness that he has playing through those injuries is a big reason of how he's been able to help them do that. Yeah, they took Aaron Ekblad first overall. They took Barkov second overall. They traded for Matthew Kachuk. They, you know, did all these things, and that allowed them to rebuild their franchise in such a way that they have just become one of the favorites to win the Stanley Cup, you know, in the last couple of years. Yep. Credit yeah. to Aaron Ekblad. They also they signed Sergei Bobrovsky to an eleven million dollar contract and or 10 million 10 and a half something like that he's a highly paid goaltender and people shit on the contract for a large portion of the first half of it and of course this year he comes in the playoffs and he was the best goalie in the playoffs in my opinion at any given time and the luck ran out against vegas but what was your take on sergey bobrovsky i mean yeah he was sensational he should keep his head held high he did everything he could to get to the Panthers of the Stanley Cup Finals. I truly believe that if Bobrovsky wasn't on the Panthers, they would not have made it this far in this year's playoffs. I mean, it was his worst series by far against the Golden Knights, but I think think about like every team who played the Golden Knights. It was a lot of teams' worst series by far. Um, I don't think this is the end of the line in terms of his career, but at 34 years old, I think this may have been his best shot to win a Stanley Cup. Yeah, you would think. You would think. I do think Florida wouldn't shock me if Florida has more standing points next year than Vegas. Because I like they won the President's Trophy two years ago. They had a rough start this year, but they finished strong. If it wasn't for Buddy fucking Robinson, they wouldn't have even made the playoffs at all. But, you know, I do think Florida will be in the mix for a little while. And, you know, that's something that you know, Bobrovsky should be excited about. And, you know, Spencer Knight, hopefully he gets healthy. But, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, one of my favorite players in the NHL made me feel real freaking smart over the last two to three years is Sasha Barkov, Alexander Barkov. He has been nothing short of sensational. He, in my opinion, is the premier, not the premier, he's one of the premier two-way centerman in the NHL right now and he was sensational in the Stanley Cup final he's super skilled you know one thing I'll say the, the premier two-way center in the NHL is Patrice Bergeron and then if he retires you can argue it's Nico Heischer Barkov might have more physical skill than both of them combined like in terms of ability to handle the puck Ability to be a thief, ability to score. Um, I think the world of this guy, and I'm happy that he was able to have this deep run. I'm a little sad that the story came up just short for him. He's my favorite player on. He's my second favorite player on either team. Eichel's my first because of the whole BU thing I told you about with the bean pot. But um, Barkov is right there. I love his style of play. Um, you know what I told you about Wild Bill? Barkov is you know a superstar version of Wild Bill. Um, love that guy. Love his game. Great year for him. Yeah. I mean, he does. He's great with the puck. He's great taking the puck away. He's great defensively. I wish he would have scored a little bit more in the playoffs or in the, the Stanley cup final. Um, but just because like, you know, no Kachuk kind of need to step up a little bit. He kind of went silent in terms of scoring in the Stanley cup final. I do think that 
they would have had maybe a little bit of a better chance if he kind of got on the score sheet. But, yeah, he's been great. I mean, he's a great player. He's a great piece to the puzzle for the Florida Panthers. And we'll see how they go about their business next year. But, yeah, great player. Yeah, for sure. I, I think he's a little banged up, too. Um, I know everybody's banged up at this point, but, like, he's kind of been banged up all season long. Um, Tom wants me to quit picking on BFR, even though he put the F in the name, which is quite literally picking on him, calling him Buddy fucking Robinson. What a guy that is. We love him now. <laughs> Ooh, we love him now. Oh, yeah. Connor Bedard's coming to Chi-Town. That's because of Buddy today. fucking Robinson. Two weeks from today. Two weeks from today. There's an article up on DeWindyCity.com about it being two weeks from today. Um, but hell yeah. And because of Buddy fucking Robinson, Florida Panthers were able to make it to the Stanley Cup final. They got in the playoffs over the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins probably would have got absolutely mollywopped by the Bruins. And then, you know, Florida, they found a way to beat them. Um, then they found a way to beat the Leafs. And once they found a way to beat the Leafs, that's when I thought they really could have a chance here. And they did. So, you know, and shout out to their coach, Paul Maurice. I watched the interview. I shared it on Twitter. Um, you know, just a super graceful man. Super, you know, positive about his team. I'm happy for him and everything he's gotten in his career. I often say Jeremy Colleton is like he he reminded me of Paul Maurice early. Like when Paul Maurice was a young coach in the NHL, it was very similar. He sucked. He didn't he was kind of naive about things. He was kind of a hard head, you know. But he got an opportunity really young, and it took him a while to get that second one. We'll see what happens with the former Hawks coach. I, I, I would love to be proven right on that because I think, l listen, make no mistake about it, I was the leader of the fire Jeremy Colleton train. I wrote many articles for DeWindy City about how he needed to be canned. I also wrote many articles about how I believe he'll be a good coach one day, and I would love to be proven right about that, but we'll see. That's what I think of when I think of Paul Maurice. Uh, Frank, what's next for the Florida Panthers? I think there's going to be some changes this offseason. I think this was an eye-opener for the team as a whole. I mean, they were able to make it to the Stanley Cup Finals with the group of players that they had now. I mean, think of how they're probably in their heads thinking, how can we improve this to get even better for next year, contend a little bit better? Because, I mean, in all reality, they really – I mean, the Florida Panthers really didn't expect this to happen. You get in the playoffs, anybody could win the Cup. But now they have to think about how can we improve our chances? And, you know, a lot of that's going to go down in the offseason. Uh, I don't think they're going to be overly good next season. I'm 50-50 on them. I could see them coming in like ninth place or seventh place and making the playoffs. I, I really, I really 50-50 on them. I don't think they're going to be a powerhouse. I don't think they're going to finish in a divisional spot if they do make the playoffs. I think they would be a wild card. Um but, you know, I, I just think this was a Cinderella run for a reason, and I wouldn't be surprised if they missed the playoffs last year or next year. But if they do, I probably is not going to be, like, worse than the league missed the playoffs. But, like, bubble team. See, I actually think they're going to be better in the regular season. Do I think they're going to be better in the playoffs? No. Wouldn't be shocked if they get bounced in the first round. I could see them being better than the Leafs because the Leafs are going to make changes. There's no doubt. Uh, I think the Bruins, you know – what if Bergeron and Krejci retire, right? Um, who else came ahead? Of, oh, Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is a wild card, too. You know, they'll probably be pretty good. They'll probably be pretty good, Tampa Bay. They have another year or two left in them, I think. 
Um, I could see Florida being top three in the division, and I think they're going to make a big signing this offseason. They have $10 million in cap space projected for next year. Eric Stahl is an unrestricted free agent. Giovanni Smith and Colin White are restricted free agents. I don't see them bringing them back. Radko Gudas and Mark Stahl are both unrestricted free agents. I could see them using some of their money on Gudas. Mark Stahl's a goner. Um, and then, you know, other RFAs, they really don't have any. They're set in goal with Bobrovsky, but Alex Lyon is an unrestricted free agent, and they have um, – what's his name? Spencer Knight on LTIR. So we'll see what happens with him. But they have Verhage, they have Bennett, they have Reinhardt. Kachuk and Barkov are both locked up for the next eight years. Um, you know, I, most of their roster is returning without having to pay and make extensions. I, they're a candidate to make like a splash, I think. Could they go for, you know, you're going to think I'm crazy, but like, could they go for Patrick Kane? Could they go for, you know, Ryan O'Reilly, Vladimir Tarasenko? You know, these are some of the top free agents that are available right now. Do they go for a Matt Dumba? Or, uh, well, Max Petretti's probably not healthy, but do they try to get Bertuzzi? Okay. You know, there are lots of guys out there that they can, like, kind of go for and just kind of put in a couple extra pieces here and there and see how they do in the regular season. And then once the playoffs roll around and we realize anything can happen, I actually I, – I like Florida's chances of having a good summer. I'm not saying right now I would pick them to be, like, this great team, but if they have a big summer – and I – my prediction is they will have a big summer and we'll be seeing them as a top three team in the Atlantic by the time training camp rolls around. That's like, fair. I have a feel. It, it all depends on how their summer goes. With yes, me too. I agree. I have a feeling that they will make a move that makes you, Frankie Mueller, a believer of their chances going into the year. I hope. I mean, that's fine. I, and I'll and I'll be honest with you if that happens because I right now if they make a big move then I'll I'll flip my script on them. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, that's the Florida Panthers. That's the Vegas Golden Knights. It's been an outstanding Stanley Cup final. Um, we didn't have a show last week, Frank. We were in Door County. Skokes wants to know how it was. I mean, it was a blast. We did a lot of things that I've never done before. Like the trolley tour was pretty cool. I mean, what else did we? There was something else we did that we never done before. What else? The cider place. No. What? Oh, the goat parade. The oh goat yeah, parade. that was fun. A little disappointed that no goats pooped, but we saw AJ Dillon. Yeah, which was pretty cool. Yep, AJ Dillon. He's probably pretty annoyed that the Bears are going to take over the NFC North for the next ten years, but that's besides the point. Yeah. I mean, how did you like it? I loved it. I enjoyed all my food I ate. I had some great snacks. We visited a sick candle store, did some support for Ukraine. Mm, They got nice candles. Yep. Got some Door County wine. That's outstanding. So, yeah, we had a lot of fun. Pancakes. Skokes. We didn't actually eat at the Swedish restaurant. I wish we did. We are next year, I believe. We are, yes, next year. The Swedish pancake. Yes, yep. need Swedish pancake Skokes. I my it's a VP promise that yeah. I will give you an update on Swedish pancakes in the short future. Yeah, so is where were those uh Swedish pancakes at? Oh where there. the goat parade was. Oh, okay, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, so that's where it's at. 
Loved the Door County trip. Thank you to everyone who helped make it happen. Paula, Tom, G, Frankie, you guys rule. Um, it was a great time. I enjoyed watching the Stanley Cup final there. And, you know, I'll always kind of associate this Stanley Cup final with that trip to Door County. We watched a lot of it. Um, man, Skokes knows his Door County. Al, Al Johnson's. He's He knows his Door County. He must Credit have been there. You. He must have been there. Skokes, have you gone to Door County before? Well, yeah, I would hope so. Otherwise, he's just the smartest person on earth. And imagine if you can ask him, like, just something about any random village in the U.S. And he's like, oh, yeah, I've heard of that. I haven't been there. But, yeah, oh, Al Johnson's? <laughs> I know Al Johnson. That's where the goats are on the building. I'm interested to see. My gut is no, he hasn't. Because not, oh, not a lot of people have go to Door County. I think that is something that is not true. A lot of people go to Door County. Uh, Every before- person... Before Every, I met G, I, I you said Door County. I said, "Bless you." I would have not known what it was. Yeah, well. Oh, Bird Sanctuary. That was yeah, the Bird Sanctuary was sweet. Door County is a popular Midwest summer destination. Yeah, you see, you I, said, "Yup." I, guess I was times. just living under a rock. Yeah, I'm not going to act like I knew all about it before you were going there either. But I, I have quickly learned. Like Katie's cousin went there a couple weeks ago. Every oh, yeah. person I, every person at Fansided that I let know that I was going to Door County and I was going to be offline a little bit for a week, they said, "Oh, you're going to love Door County." I mean, I'm thinking to myself, "I've been there, I know." But you know, most people I told I was going to Door County had been there at least once. Wow. Yeah. That's um, crazy. It's like a relatively popular Midwest summer desk, and I love it. It's quiet. It's peaceful. Um, it's very peaceful. Yeah, it was fun. So credit to that. Credit to the Stanley Cup final. That's it for this week on the Golden Knights and the Florida Panthers. But, Frank, although we we crowned our champion in the National Hockey League, that doesn't mean that the two teams participating in said event are the only teams making moves. And we will get to an NHL roundtable in period number three. Welcome to period three. Frank, there's a lot of news that came out about throughout the NHL, especially in the last week or two since we were last on our show, episode 114, two weeks ago today. Um, The first one that I wanted to touch on was the fact that the New York Rangers hired their brand new head coach, and they just keep recycling old head coaches that failed at other places. Peter Laviolette is now the head coach of the New York Rangers. They talked about this on, I think it was Spittin' Chicklets they brought this up. Laviolette has been the coach of the Carolina Hurricanes, the New York Islanders, the Philadelphia Flyers, and now the New York Rangers. Oh, and I feel like the Predators. I'm skipping the Predators on purpose, though. Oh. He's run through most of the Metropolitan Division oh, in his NHL career as a head coach. I find that to be hilarious. This dude loves being out east. He's now the head coach of the New York Rangers. Following his stint with the Nashville Predators, what are your thoughts? Signed a three-year deal as head coach of the Rangers. He's the eighth winningest coach in NHL history. Most wins of any American-born head coach. Coached the Hurricanes to the 2006 Stanley Cup Championship. Took the Flyers and Predators to the Stanley Cup in 2010 and 2017, respectively. You know, sometimes this is the type of change you need, right? The Rangers had a very disappointing end to their season this year. According to them, and expectations that it, it ended too soon. I mean, they went all out. They got Tarasenko, they got Patrick Kane, and they lose in the first round. So maybe this is a change they need. Gallant's not the answer. Maybe it's Laviolette. But I, I kind of like the decision, right? Like, you're not going to keep Gallant again. 
So, like, why not? I like the decision to get rid of Gallant. I hate yeah. this move for the New York Rangers. I absolutely hate it. And I'm not saying that because I don't like the Rangers. I hated when the Devils hired Lindy Ruff. I did. I When you keep bringing in these retreads that haven't won in 100 years, Laviolette hasn't won the Stanley Cup since winning with the Hurricanes in 2006. And in 2006, he was a yes, fresh, young, vibrant mind. Bruce Cassidy, fresh, young, vibrant mind. Um, what's his name in Colorado? Bednar, fresh, young, vibrant mind. And by young, I like in your mid 40s, 50s, young for NHL coaches. Who, what coaches stink now that used to be really good? Um, Babcock got canned. Okay. Lots, uh, Hitchcock, all the cocks, all these guys in the league. I, I, I just, these old guys, Peter Laviolette, ew, what are the Rangers doing? Why wouldn't they bring in a young, vibrant mind for this young, vibrant team? Capo Caco has been in the doghouse. Alexis Lafreniere is a bust. I don't understand any of this stuff that they do. Artemi Panarin shaving his head that he's so upset about everything. Did you see that? Artemi Panarin no, went full Britney Spears. Zzz, gone. No hair. And he had awesome salad. I don't know what the New York Rangers think they're doing, but I find it to be hilarious. The New York Rangers, they're probably going to be okay next year. But after going 3-1 and one against them in the regular season this year, and after taking Game 7 against them this year, and now they hired Peter Laviolette, I could not be more confident that the Devils have passed the Rangers and will stay there for the foreseeable future. I don't know what the hell the Rangers are doing. What are you bringing in? I liked when they hired David Quinn. And, like, they didn't even give David Quinn a chance. Yeah, he benched Capo Caco a little bit. That's probably not ideal. But they could have had philosophy discussions within the organization. No team in hockey pulls the plug on something so fast, more than the New York Rangers. They had such a nice rebuild going. And then Tom Wilson got all up in their head and they signed Ryan or traded for Ryan Reeves and they felt they needed to get tougher. And they signed Artemi Panarin for a billion dollars, even though their rebuild wasn't done. That would be like the Hawks signing someone for $11 million right now, right at the beginning stage of their rebuild. I mean, just dumb, bad decision-making. I always feel like you have to be like in the playoffs and, you know, you know, even if you get lose in the first round, you have to build this thing the right way. And the Rangers just refuse to do that. I find it to be hilarious. They had their nice little couple year run here of, you know, bringing in these older veterans who won Stanley Cups 10 years ago. You know, hey, congrats on bringing in Patrick Kane. He was awesome four years ago. Congrats on bringing in Vladimir Tarasenko. He hasn't scored more than 15 goals in five years. But hey, you know, nice, you know, good, good on the New York Rangers. I love seeing it for them. They're going to be outstanding next year, said nobody. Wow. Got nothing else to say. Can you tell I'm passionate about my New York Rangers love? Yeah. I mean, I don't hate it. We'll see what happens. They'll be an okay regular season team. If they start out next year and they win some games, I don't want to hear, Vin, I told you, Pete. I'm always pro-veteran coaches. It depends on the coach. What did Laviolette do in Nashville? Or not? Where was he? Right or Washington? What did Laviolette? That's the team I missed because he was most recently with Washington. That's the Metro team I missed. What did he do with them since they fired Barry Trotz? Or not Barry Trotz? They fired Todd Reardon after Washington's three coaches removed from Barry Trotz. What the hell happened to the Capitals? What did he do there that makes you go? Oh, you know what he's going to do with this Rangers veteran team? Woo, Peter Laviolette. I don't know. I just, I mean, 
I can't believe I the can't Ra- them for you. point didn't just wait for Quinville. And that Quinville has yet to suck. That's what that's the difference between him and Laviolette. Quinville's older. I'm not I'm not ageist here. I'm against people who stink. Not it doesn't matter how old you are. Quinville's way older than Laviolette. I have yet to see Quinville be a bad coach. I have yet to watch his performance and critically analyze it negatively. Fair. It was great. I can't believe the Rangers didn't wait for Bettman to reinstate Quinville and give him a chance. Because, you know, that's what I thought was going to happen. And I was like, really? The Rangers are going to get freaking Quinville. That sucks. And now they have Laviolette, and I'm happy. Metro Boston for the next 10 years. Here we come. Wow. That's a bold statement, VP. They might not win it every year. There are injuries that happen, and, you know, there will be more goaltending issues down, like, you know, where you try and figure something out heading into the playoffs. You know, I don't really care where they finish in the Metro as long as they make the playoffs. But do I think the Rangers will be a playoff team next year? Um, yes, I do. I do. Because I can't – who in the East is going to dethrone them? I think the Bruins take a step back. The Devils won't break their franchise record in wins. People are going to say that that's them taking a step back. But is it really? You know, would I sign up for the Devils having a better chance in the playoffs, but maybe a few less regular season wins? Yes, I absolutely would. Um, Washington's going to suck. Pittsburgh's going to suck. I don't think the Flyers – the Flyers will be in the Max Celebrini sweepstakes, I think. Columbus will be better, but not that good. So, I, you know, the Metropolitan sets up nicely for the Rangers to at least be okay. But, eh, not a fan of the hire. I know I, I can be wrong. Maybe it's my bias going against Hey, them. maybe you're right. Maybe you're when, right. When they signed Laviolette to be their coach, I was happy about it, like genuinely happy about it. Where when they signed Gallant, I was kind of mad. And – I kind of my being mad was justified. They were a game away from the Stanley Cup final. Gallant always goes really far in his first year with a team. And I then know, we got to be on the lookout wherever Gallant goes. If he the next time he's a head coach or if he gets a job this year, we got to be on the lookout. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I agree, and like bet a little coin on them to win their division or win the West or the East, whatever team it is. But what teams are still vacant? Do you think he'll have a job this year? Uh, if he doesn't, he'll be the at the top of the list of the team that fires their coach first. Yeah, you know how there's always a firing in late October, yeah. early November. A team starts off slow. One of those teams will bring in Gallant if he doesn't get a job before the start of next season. But and you know Babcock is going to be freaking Columbus's head coach, so I don't I don't like that either, really. But you know we'll see. Frank Patrick Sharp left the Chicago Blackhawks booth to yeah. become a front office member of the Philadelphia Flyers. What do you think? I mean, good for Sharp. I'm happy for him. I mean, he's going to be the special advisor of hockey operations for the Flyers. He's involved in all aspects of the, de- uh, of the department and have, he has a strong focus on the development of prospects. So, you know, and I think Flyers fans, the Flyers organization, they're excited about it. Keith Jones stated, in adding Patrick Sharp to our group, we are gaining an individual who has a wealth of knowledge when it comes to building an environment of winning at all levels. I mean, great for Patrick Sharp. I mean, I think he's capable of doing more than just broadcasting. He's got a great mind. and This is, a, this is his opportunity to do so with the Flyers. I agree. And Patrick Sharp, he might have had – 
he might have had the best drive to win out of all the Hawks players from the the dynasty. Like Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, Duncan Keith, all those guys are Hall of Famers. Patrick Sharp is not a Hall of Famer. But nobody really had a motor quite like Patrick Sharp, I would say. That yeah. dude was obsessed with scoring and winning. And everywhere he went, he went. And people forget he played for the Flyers before the Blackhawks. The yeah. Blackhawks acquired Patrick Sharp in a trade from the Blackhawks or from the Flyers in 2005. It was uh, five? Yeah, it was five. Oh, he played for some bad Blackhawks teams then. Wow. He played I'm for them. I'm pretty when sure you, you could double check me. No, on you're you're probably right, actually, because I do remember an interview on Spitting Chicklets where Patrick Sharp remembered the days before Kane, where the United Center had uh-huh. like a thousand people in it. Patrick Sharp is one of the true warriors, and that's probably why he loved winning so much because he was on those poopy teams. Patrick Kane really only knew winning early in his career. You know, it wasn't until the end where Patrick Kane knew what it was like to be on losing squads. Where Patrick Sharp, he kind of knew what it was like all around. And when he went to Dallas, they were good. Played on a line with Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan for that season. Yeah. And then he had a swan song with the Hawks in the final year. But, you know, credit to Patrick Sharp. I think he's going to do great things there. I love, you know, they were giving credit to Keith Jones yesterday, you know, saying goodbye to him on the TNT broadcast. That was his last one. You know, Mm -hmm. now he's officially going to be with the Flyers. So, Good for him. I'm excited to see how the Flyers do. They're going to be in my corner for all winter. You know, the Devils will play them five times, so I'll be seeing them a bunch, and I will accurately evaluate them based on what I see. Do I want the Devils to smash them? Yes, of course. But, you know, I'm sure they'll be coming along. I'm a little worried about the Flyers. I think they're going to be – they're on the – the Flyers haven't done this in our time watching hockey either. There are a couple teams we have yet to watch rebuild. We've watched – I would say, you know, we've been diehards for, what, 11, 12, 13 years now. Throughout that time, we've seen most teams be good, and we've seen most teams go through a rebuild. We have yet to watch the Flyers rebuild in our time watching hockey. That's just a fact. They've they've been bad, but by accident. This is going to be the first year we see the Flyers bad on purpose. Uh, They were kind of bad on accident or on purpose this last year they were better than they should have been. They overachieved. So like yeah, I was, this, I was surprised with the flyers this past year. Yeah. They were like what the seventh worst team. And I, I thought, thought they'd be right there with Bedard. Me too. Me too. Actually, if you go back to our first show, I remember our first show of the season, I said the flyers and Hawks would battle back and forth. Yeah. For that. And I thought they would too. Yeah. But you know, they, they still have a lot of work to do. You got to get Kevin Hayes out of there. You got to get Cam Atkinson out of there. You got to trade Carter Hart. You have to move on. Like, you have to be bad, bad before you can be good, good. I believe in that. And, you know, we're going to watch the Flyers rebuild for the first time. It should be fun. Um, And I often say Philly is one of the top four sports markets in the country. You know, I like LA. I like Pittsburgh. I like Houston. They're not Boston, Chicago, Philly, or New York. They're just not. Um, and Philly deserves a team like that. It'll make Devils Flyers a lot of fun, especially if the Devils stay the course. Um, it'll be nice if the Flyers are really bad for the outdoor game, and like it'd be nice for the Devils to just shit can them at MetLife Stadium. <laughs> um, that would be more fun than it being competitive for me. But then again, losing to a team like that would hurt even worse. So we'll see what happens there. But you know, in addition to Patrick Sharp leaving, we learned that Darren Pang is going to be taking his spot as the color commentator. For the Chicago Blackhawks, Darren Pang played his playing career, his short, very short playing career as a goaltender with the Chicago Blackhawks. 
um, after years of being the inside the glass man for the St. Louis Blues. Yeah. He will remain as the national broadcaster as well. You haven't heard the last of him calling the Stanley Cup final. But, you know, us people in Chicago watching on NBC Sports Chicago will be watching Darren Payne call Blackhawks games. I'm excited about it. Holy jumping. Yeah, it's, you know, it's weird. I think it's just because I associate him so much with the Blues and people – like from the, an older generation will associate him with the Blackhawks, you know, but it, I mean, I'm excited for it. I like his voice announcing games, so I can't wait. Holy can't jumping, wait. Frank. I can't wait either. Do you remember though, when the blues played the Blackhawks at Bush stadium in the winter classic, mm-hmm. Darren Pang played for the Blackhawks in the alumni game against the blues alumni. So sense. He, those are his two favorite teams. I would venture to guess. And good for him. I'm super excited to have Panger in town, and it should be fun to hear. Oh, yeah. It's going to be electric. I can hear it right now. Vosters. And here comes Lucas Reichel down the wing. He's got Connor Bedard with him. He passes it to Bedard. Bedard shoots. He scores! Connor Bedard's first career NHL goal, and then Darren Payne comes in. Holy jumping! This kid is going to be unreal. (laughs) You know, it's just going to be so sick. I actually literally can't wait for it. Yeah, it is. I'm really excited about it. Yeah. And right, right when uh, the Stanley Cup was awarded yesterday, our our cousin Frank texted me. He goes, "I miss hockey." <laughs> like it literally just ended, and he already misses hockey. I feel the same way. Uh, I don't want to say summer stinks. I'm excited for a little bit of a break where I can just kind of relax for a little bit. It's annoying that Big Brother isn't coming till like, August. I'm so mad. Like that's so stupid. Yeah, that no, is just yeah. dumb. Because like. You know, a month into Big Brother, training camp's going to start. So, like, you know, whatever, annoying. But um, happy for Darren Payne. Can't wait for October, truly. Um, the New Jersey Devils and Columbus Blue Jackets made a big trade while we were away. Damon Severson was signed to a $6.25 million contract by the Devils, and then he was immediately traded to the Columbus Blue Jackets in the NHL's second-ever sign-in trade. Damon Severson will go to the Columbus Blue Jackets. Frank, I have some serious thoughts about this trade, but I'll let you go first. Yeah, so he goes to the Blue Jackets, signs eight years, $50 million. I think this was great for the Devils because he was going to walk away in free agency. The Devils most likely wouldn't have been able to pay him what he wanted, so they were going to get nothing for him, but instead they get something for him. This now allows the Devils to make some room for Luke Hughes and Simone Nemich in this upcoming season. I mean, the future is now. I think this is a great move for the Devils. I agree. I also think it's an okay move for the Blue Jackets because the Blue Jackets want to start developing and giving room for their prospects to feel like winners. And, you know, they have a top farm system. Um, There's a chance, and you could try to think of a team in the Metro with a better one. I think there's a chance that the Columbus Blue Jackets have the third best blue line in the Metropolitan Division. The Hurricanes are number one. The Hurricanes are number one. I would give Brent Burns, uh, Pesci, and then I'm forgetting. Oh, Slavin. I would give them the nod over the Devils with Dougie Hamilton, Luke Hughes, and Jonas Siegenthaler, and Marino. You know, uh, rotate whoever you want for the top three. Um, And then I would put Wierenski, Provorov, Severson as the third best blue line in the Metropolitan Division. I'd take their blue line over the Rangers because I don't think Jacob Truba is all that good. So then it's Adam Fox and Keandre Miller. That's and then, and then you know, the Flyers, they stink. The Penguins, it's Chris Letang and a bunch of guys you never heard of. Um, 
who am I? Oh, the Washington Capitals. John Carlson. John Carlson might be the best defenseman in the division, but when he's healthy. Mm-hmm. But the rest of those, he doesn't have the support, you know. So Washington's not above Columbus. And then I feel like I'm missing one. Am I missing a Metro team? That oh, the New York Islanders. Yeah. Give me Columbus's blue line over the New York Islanders. So I actually think Columbus does take a step forward next year. Um, I think this is a good trade for them too. But hey, getting a third round pick for to get rid of Severson, add that extra cap space. They clearly have some trust in Luke Hughes and Nemich. Nemich is going to be the one directly replacing Severson if he's on the opening day roster because he is a right D. But you have to have faith in both of them to let Severson go. I do think they'll probably sign a cheap extra body defenseman. They maybe they'll bring back Graves. Mm-hmm. Maybe they will, you know, try to keep Brendan Smith, which is possible. But you know, if their D next year is Hughes, Hamilton. Marino, Siegenthaler, Ball, Nemich. That's a cheap but good blue line. Yeah. Because Nemich and Hughes are only going to be on entry levels. They're not going to get paid for two more years. Maybe that does help them extend Brett, extend Timo Meyer. I'm all for this trade. I think it leads to other good things. Nemich was the number two pick. You got to believe in him at this point. You know, that pick becoming a bust would, that would harm their future, I would say. So you got to give him a chance. You got to trust him. And Luke Hughes is already a stud muffin. I like the move. Yeah, I do too. Listen, I'm so I would give Luke Hughes if he were eligible right now, and I only had the sample size I have right now. I would give Luke Hughes an eight million, eight by eight deal. I like. I wouldn't even hesitate. I think he's that good, and I think I've seen enough to to believe that already. I'm happy I get a little more time before they make that decision. But hey. The Devils are going to be good, and Columbus is they're on the rise. You want you want my honest opinion? I yeah. think the Columbus is going to have the biggest turnaround of any team. I'm not saying they're going to be the Devils and win the division. Yeah, I'm not saying they're going to. They might not even make the playoffs, but I think in terms of spot jumping and points, I think they're going to have the biggest turnaround of any team. I agree with you completely. They're going to be this year's Devil Devils. Like, yeah, but not to that extent. No, but, not to that extent. The Devils had the yes, greatest improvement in this, NHL history. Yeah, but they will be this year's Devils. Yes, they had like a 54-point difference from the year over. But I could see Columbus having like a 30-point flip, which would yeah. probably make them like 8th, ninth, or 10th in the conference. Yeah. A bubble I, team. I think that's what's going to happen. I agree with you. I completely agree with you. And who knows? Maybe they draft Leo Carlson. And he goes to training camp, and we're like, holy fuck, he's got great chemistry with Johnny Hockey. Holy shit, he can feed Patrick Laine like that. And he makes the team outright. It's possible. It's very possible. Mm-hmm. Jesper Bratt made the freaking team out of camp. He was a sixth-round pick. You know, it, was, it wasn't was a surprise when he sure made it. It wasn't a surprise when Hughes made it. But, like, you know, guys like Leo Carlson, he'll get his chance. That's who I think Columbus is going to draft. Um, Ken Johnson will take a step. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Should be exciting. Frank, on Saturday, the combine happened. And Connor Bedard obviously stole the show. He's going to be the number one pick in the 2023 NHL draft. Um, there were a couple takeaways I had. The first one, he's completely jacked. He is jacked. You don't see 17-year-olds with bodies like that very often. And I couldn't believe my eyes. Yeah, that's a lot of the time. He's like Jack. He looks like he's 22. He looks like he's Lou Ferrigno. 
Well, okay, Frank, do you know how hard it is to get your body like that? Oh, I, I trust me. It's hard. Okay, imagine it times 10 harder when you're under 18. Unbelievable, VP. Because when you're under 18, you don't have man muscle yet. It's way harder to develop that type of mass and that type of strength because you're not fully grown yet. Mm-hmm. And that's why people like me and people like Bucci, they recommend going back to college for an extra year because in college – you play games on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and you hit the gym Monday through Thursday. It helps you build that man muscle. Somehow, Connor Bedard has been able to do that while playing in a major junior league. And, you know, he's been hitting the gym clearly. Jack Hughes was a scrawny little prick when he was first drafted. He, he looked like freaking our buddy Gage or John, you know, when he was drafted. You know, maybe a little tone to his arms, but like, Nothing like what Connor Bedard looks. Connor Bedard looks like how he sure looks now. Like you know, even he sure was a scrawny little bastard when he mm-hmm. was first drafted. Um, I think that will help Bedard play center first and foremost because I I still question in my mind what position he's going to play in the NHL long term. He's played both wing and center in major, junior, and world competition. Um. You obviously need to have that to play center. He'll win board battles, I think, more than most 18-year-olds would. Um, It'll help him get to the dirty areas of the net. It'll help his shot. It'll help him improve the power on his shot. So that's what I take away from him being jacked. I heard Adam Fantilli say nice things about Connor Bedard as a person and a player. That's one of my takeaways. And Connor Bedard also had amazing things to say about not only the Chicago Blackhawks organization, but Patrick Kane in general. He attended Kaner's BioSteel competition, and he said he felt like a sponge being around Kane. Obviously, Bedard knows how to ingratiate himself with a certain portion of the NHL fan base. He refused to acknowledge the Blackhawks as the team that he was for sure going to play for because he's doing that thing where he like is acting humble and stuff, even though he knows he's a very humble man. Probably already has an apartment lined up in Chicago. I would. I'd be cocky enough if I were freaking Connor Bedard and invented a new way how to shoot the puck that nobody had ever done in the hundred years before me. But, you know, that's Connor Bedard. I was impressed with what I saw from him in the recap. More or in the combine, but more importantly than Bedard, and I'll let you speak on Bedard in a second, is the other prospects that the Hawks have interviewed over the course of the weekend. They interviewed anywhere from sixty-eight to seventy-five prospects, according to Charlie Romeliotis on Twitter. Um, there was a bunch of players that they interviewed. Obviously, we know they're going to get Bedard. Well, yeah, we they're getting Bedard is awesome. That kick starts that elevates the rebuild a little bit. Okay, McDavid's been in the league for nine years. He hasn't been to the Cup final yet. Um, it took Jack Eichel how many years to reach the Stanley Cup final? Jack Hughes is still looking to reach the third round. These yep. first overall picks who are insane, you still got to put a team around them. I think the rest of the draft is equally, if not more important than getting Bedard, because if you get Bedard and don't do anything with it, then what the hell is the point? So that's my takeaway from the combine. I like seeing the Hawks attack it the way that they did. I can't wait. You have no idea. Like, oh, I mean, in his mind, he knows he's coming to the Hawks. He just won't say it. And that's what I love about him. I love that he's humble about everything that he does. He knows how good he is. But I think being humble goes a long way. Still can't believe how jacked he was. It's just unbelievable. But Oh, I'm happy like the combine, you know, this stuff's getting over with two weeks from today. I just can't wait. Two weeks from today. Uh, Skoke says GM Kyle Davidson is already targeting uh, size down the middle. A few great options at 19. I'm falling in love with Gavin Brindley. 
out of Michigan. I saw him play with my own two eyeballs, loved what I saw. Um, there are a couple other people. Uh, I don't think Axel Sandin Pelika or however the hell you say his name is going to be available at 19. I also, I'm not going to say I wouldn't draft defensemen because they've drafted defensemen a lot early in recent years, but you know, they traded Yoki Haru for that bum Nylander. They drafted Adam Boquist and he sucked and they traded him for Jones. They never should have made that trade in the first place just because they, now they have a $9 million defenseman going into his thirties. But you know, the Hawks, they have a lot of options, and I also could see they have four second-round picks. wouldn't shock me if they used three of them to trade back into the first round again and or use two of them in a prospect, trade Ian Mitchell and two picks to get back into the first round. There are teams in the 20s that would take something like that. Well, yeah. you're, you know, you're telling me the New York Rangers wouldn't trade pick 25 to the Hawks for two second round picks in a generational draft and Ian Mitchell, I certainly think that's possible. You know, something crazy like that happening. So we'll see what happens, but I'm excited about the combine. It was really cool to see some of the prospects do what they were doing. One thing I will say, there were people like, there was a Blackhawk Up article, and listen, I love fansided. I live, eat, and breathe fansided. The Blackhawk Up article about, you know, Someone questioned whether or not his stock would drop because he kind of underperformed in all the, you know, the tests that they did. The only one he succeeded was pull-ups. He did 14, which tied the high of any prospect. Mm -hmm. The article did go on to say, no, it didn't. But the fact that we were even questioning that, you can't question that. Connor Bedard's going one. He could snap his ankle tomorrow walking his dog, and I think he'd go number one. VP, no bad vibe. I'm just saying, like, if he tore his ACL skating tomorrow and missed all of next year, oh the Hawks would God. still take him number one. Like, it's not even a question. He's going number one. It's not even a, It's not even close. So, you know, credit to Connor Bedard. I cannot wait to watch him next season. You have no – I might go to opening day. And it's going to be expensive, and I might shell out the coin. I also might get the tickets for free. So we'll see. Connor Bedard. Connor Bedard. Frank, that just about puts a bow on the 2022-23 NHL season. It has been my favorite season of watching hockey in all the years. It's I've watched the most of every league, I would say. I watched the most AHL, NHL, college, and major junior this year. And the World Juniors, I didn't miss a USA game. It was just freaking awesome all the time. Um, I went to three different NHL rinks this year, watched a bunch on TV, did this great show. We had great guests. Uh, I said last year on this version of the show that the following year we had big things coming up. And since then we interviewed John Scott, uh, Bobby Ryan, and plenty of other great NHL Bucci. media members. Bucci, exactly. Plenty of other great NHL media members since then. I believe we had as big of a year as I wanted, and I believe we can go even bigger next year. So, you know. Bobby Ryan? Yeah. Did you say and, that? Yeah, I said it. Uh, but, you know, it's going to be exciting to get into all that. I think the sky's the limit. Um. One of our teams is going to be elite next year. The other is going to be probably elite to watch. They'll both be elite to watch, I think. There's a chance Bedard and Hughes are the second and third best players in the league at one point. Wouldn't shock me at all. Um, so it's going to be a good time, and I'm very much looking forward to it. Frank, 
Do you have yeah. anything that you want to share about the 2022-23 season? It was crazy, you know. Lots of records broken. Bruins, the best team ever, set that record. The Devils making the biggest turnaround in NHL history. Wild playoff moments, you know. I mean, there, there's a lot that happened this year, and too many to just talk about each one. But I'm very excited that this season's now over because the future of the Blackhawks is going to get underway. I can't wait to see Bedard in a Hawks jersey. I'm like really, really, really excited for next season more than any other potentially. So I'm really excited for the future to get underway. Absolutely. I completely agree. Really quick before we get into America's favorite podcast segment of the week, talk to people about the NBA champion Denver Nuggets. They're dominant. They were dominant. Both Florida teams lost in five games, both eight seeds, Eastern Conference. To a team in the mountains. Yeah lost in five games i i mean the nuggets the nuggets are so good i'm so happy for Jokic. um he's just he's just incredible and you know he won the mvp back-to-back years a couple years ago he deserves a championship i'm happy for the team overall that's who i was pulling to win and you know good for them there's there's not much else to say i'm looking forward to the nba next season um i'm i'm an nba guy just like I am an NHL guy. I mean, I like the NHL more, obviously. It's my favorite sport to watch and follow. But, you know, I'm looking forward to the NBA season next year. Um, I'm sure there's going to be crazy moves this offseason. There always is. It's just whoever – that's the only thing I don't like about the NBA. It's like you could just pretty much choose what team you want to go to. Like if you're like – like LeBron, I'll just say, oh, I want to go here. Or, you know, uh, Joel Embiid, he's not going to leave the Sixers, but if he if he said, I want to go play for the Bulls, he's playing for the Bulls. So it's like, but yeah, I'm excited for it. Denver Nuggets, 2023 champs, never won it, 47 years in the league, first time they ever won it. Congrats to them. Jokic was an 11-1 to pick, or 11 to nothing unanimous MVP of the finals, too. Makes sense. But, I mean, he's just a beast. He is, and I like the post-game interview where he said... <laughs> He was kind of pissed that the parade wasn't until Thursday because he wanted to go home and see his horses. Yeah, he goes, I can go home now. Yeah, he didn't seem like happy that they won. Yeah, he was like, they go, well, what does this mean to you? He goes, I could go home now. That's funny. That is funny. Good for him. And then they said like something about the parade, like, oh, the parade's not till Friday. You can't go home till after that. He goes, oh. Something like, I want to go home. He looked like he was going to have a freaking nervous breakdown. Yeah. He couldn't go home. <laughs> I miss my horses. He goes, when is parade? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I hope they enjoy it tomorrow. It should be fun. I can't wait to see pictures and videos from Vegas's parade, personally. Right. Yeah, the strip I don't know how is, that's going to Like, the strip. You're just it's probably going to go down the strip. That's incredible. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Frank, that's the 2022-23 NHL season. The greatest... In my life, I enjoyed every second of it. Um, Thank you to everybody who was a participant in it, especially, you know, my family, friends, Katie, all of you guys. I love you. Thank you for making this season the best ever and helping me achieve uh, my dreams. It's been fun. And speaking of achieving dreams, Frank, I think it's time for you to help some folks make some money in America's favorite podcast segment of the week, Breaking Bets.
Frank, you mother. Make some people some mother bets, mother. We had a bad week coming into vacation for our Yeah, you did. But we needed that extra week just to rejuvenate, just to relax it Yep, back. refresh the brain a little bit. Under 50%. I ain't worried. <laughs> We're going three for three this week. Getting it back up there. A nice refresh of the brain. Can't wait. Three MLB picks for you guys. I mean, it's going to be mostly MLB. I'll probably throw in some tennis here and there, but with no basketball, no hockey, no football right now, it's going to be mostly MLB with a, a sprinkle of tennis here and there. So three MLB picks on the docket for today. The first one, Yankees at Mets. This game's good. I can't wait for this game. It's on ESPN. Cole versus Verlander. 82% of the public and 85% of the money is on the Yankees on the road, which is just insane. I know Cole has clearly been the better of the two pitchers than Verlander this year. The Yankees have been better than the Mets this year. I'm pretty sure Polar Bear Pete is still out for the Mets, but I'll gladly take the Mets at home. Money line at minus 112. I think we're going to see a master class from Verlander today. I think it's going to be electric. I think the Mets get it done. And the Mets are 1-9 in their past 10 games. I think they get it done tonight. I'll take the Mets at home at minus 112. Now's the chance to grab them when they're a little hurt, when they're not playing well, because you don't normally get the Mets with Verlander at home at minus 112. So great opportunity here. I like the pick. Also in the same game, I like the under 3.5 for the first five innings. This is a huge pitching matchup uh, today, and both players know that. They know it's being billed as Cole versus Verlander. This is a great moment to take the under before things – for under for the first five, under three and a half runs um, at plus 100. Before things get to the bullpen, I could see both pitchers going fairly far into this game, but, you know, three and a half, I think that's fair. If, if it's more than two to one after five, I'd be a little – surprised it probably won't even be that maybe i'm wrong but you know the plus 100 i couldn't pass up when i saw it so under three and a half for the first five innings plus 100 in the yankees and mets game this leads me to my final pick phillies at the arizona diamondbacks i love the diamondbacks money line here minus 141 they've been one of the hottest teams in the league so far and i love taking a team after they completely get shelled the night before they lost 15-3, to three, I believe it was, yesterday. They gave up 15 runs and eight runs the night before to the Dim- uh, against the Diamondbacks. So they've given up 23 runs over two games. I'm expecting their bats to cool down a little bit here against Merrill Kelly, who has been fantastic this year so far. Diamondbacks, like I said, one of the hottest teams in the league right now. I expect them to get back on track after a very disappointing loss last night. Diamondbacks, money line, minus 141 seems to be the way to go here. Those are my picks. Absolutely. And I'm very excited about those picks. I like talking baseball. And if you want to talk more baseball, you can make sure that you tune into tomorrow's episode of Crosstown Crosstalk. The most exciting team in the league right now, the Cincinnati Reds, you know, Ellie De La Cruz or Ella De La Cruz. You're going to want to be talking some De La Cruz. I'm talking big, big time excitement with this guy and the Reds. They're on the rise. They're not one of the worst teams in the league. They are actually one of the more exciting to watch teams in the league. They're kind of reminding me of what the Blackhawks are going to be in the hockey world next year. They're not good, but they're exciting. And, you know, I can't wait to talk Reds. It's going to be a heavy Reds episode. But at the end of the episode, I will be diving deep into some Shohei Otani business. He is the in his third year in a row now with 100-plus strikeouts and 20-plus home runs. Just absolutely insane stuff. We're not even halfway through the season, and Shohei Otani's doing these kind of banana lands things. And I also am going to get in some Oakland A's conversation because they had the reverse protest yesterday where they all showed up to the stadium and there were 28,000 people. Keep the A's in Oakland. Sell the team, a-hole owner. 
Um, we want a fresh team in Vegas. We want the A's to stay in Oakland. They're a marquee franchise. They've been around forever. And they deserve to stay where they belong with the green and gold. So, you know, make sure you tune in to Crosstown Crosstalk tomorrow to discuss all that. Um, South Burbs Hitman Monday, we are interviewing the president and CEO, the CEO of iPitch, the company that makes iPitch, which major league teams are starting to use. It's the greatest pitching machine. I want one so bad, but they're like 10 grand. You can literally like put a down payment on a house for the price of this freaking pitching machine. It is a machine that throws types of pitches. You can have it pinpoint a slider to mimic like Verlander, or you can have it like mimic Lucas Giolito's changeup and players are using it to help prepare for stuff. And it is just absolutely awesome. I cannot wait to dive in to the eye pitch with the CEO of the company that makes it. That'll be Monday night here on the Barroom Network with South Burbs Hitman. And then, of course, we will be back talking hockey. I'm sure there will be there will be at least one huge move between now and our next show, episode 116, next Wednesday. I promise you that. It's going to be a lot of fun to talk about. I already have a guest in the books or in the works for that episode. So it'll probably be a guest-heavy summer. And, you know, we'll just be shooting the shit about hockey all summer long. It ain't going nowhere. To the Stanley Little League. big brother here and there, the back's turning Yeah, around. exactly. We'll be updating you on all that stuff. So... You know, I can't wait. And to everybody who's been in the chat for the entire season of hockey throughout the year, um, thank you. You know, we get to do this silly little show once a week because people watch. And, you know, it's great stuff. I can't wait to be with you all summer long talking hockey. Make sure you read Frankie's shit at apptrigger.com. Make sure you read my shit at the five websites of Fansided that I write for. You can check them all at twitter.com at the King Bean at Vinny Parisi on Twitter. And as always, thank you for listening. Congrats to the Golden Knights.